Thanks for joining us for this episode. And I do want to remind you to make sure that you are following us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you may listen to podcasts. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at church advance. And you can actually watch video versions of each episode. We'd also really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review and share this content with other pastors and church leaders. We want to help as many of these folks as we can. And so we'd really appreciate you sharing this episode with your friends. Well, thanks again for joining us as we begin today's episode and continue to advance a reformation of fellowship, partnership, and gospel hope amongst Bible-believing pastors and churches. This is Church Advance with Brian Sams. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Church Advance podcast. This is Brian Sams, uh, your host, and I am excited today to welcome to the podcast David Malinak, and David is a pastor out in Utah. I'll let him introduce himself in just a moment. Uh, but David has a blog out there. Uh, the title of the blog is The Village Smithy. You can find it at www.davemalinak.com. We will share that in the show notes in just a minute. But uh, over the summer, I think it was, uh, there was a series of articles put out uh, on essentially things that I would change uh, in the IFB, the Independent Fundamental Baptist World. And I got to tell you, I got put onto this series of articles and it was absolutely refreshing and spot on. And I said, you know what, Luke, uh, let's let's reach out to Dave and see if Dave would come on here. And he graciously agreed to come on and talk us through this article a bit. So Dave, first of all, man, thanks for the work that you did and welcome to the Church Advance podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your church, your family, and, and let's get to know you just for a second. Well, thanks, Brian. And I appreciate your kind words and uh, all of that, you know, you put a series together like that, and uh, you know that you're taking a risk in doing so. Um, but really, uh, you know, I want to—I I love the IFB. I love the people in the IFB. I am an independent Baptist. Um, my church is Berean Baptist Church in Ogden, Utah. Uh, I became the pastor here in 2001, really under tragic cir circumstances. I had been the assistant pastor for four years. Our pastor went overseas to visit his daughter, who was a missionary in Fiji. And while he was there, uh, he, well, he was there on 9-11. And um, his flight home was delayed because of 9-11. And because of the delay, uh, he took his sons and they went out to a remote beach to play in the waves. The waves were regularly about 10 foot. And uh, in a matter of about 20 minutes, they went from 10 foot to about 30 foot waves and pulled him out to sea and he drowned out there. And um, of course that was earth shattering. I mean, for us, we were still absorbing the tragedy of 9-11. And then we had this thing and you know, we've said many times, 9-11 was forgotten in the tragedy of that. And um, it took about 
it took a couple weeks. It took a couple a couple days before we they were able to locate his body. And uh, then we had his funeral, and then we formed a pulpit committee, and I became the pastor wow. of the church. Really, under those circumstances, um, the church did call me, and that's a whole other story how all that happened and God worked through all that. But that was 22 years ago that I became the pastor here. Wow. Well, first of all, congratulations. That is a mark that so few people reach um, to be at somewhere that long, you know, shows uh, a mm. great deal of endurance and, and stamina and integrity. And I appreciate that. Uh, do you have a family? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, my wife and I met in Bible college. Uh, we both attended Fairhaven Baptist College. And uh, we met the first day of college. There wasn't uh, actually on my part, there was an interest not to get to know anybody, really. I wasn't real happy about being there. She was um, just a friend to me. And uh, we grew closer and closer. And one day, a friend of mine asked me about dating her. I said, well, if I date her, I'd marry her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I decided that I couldn't have a friend like that unless I married her. And so I did. God wow. blessed us with five children. Um, my oldest is a Christian school teacher in California. Um, I have a son in Bible college at Fairhaven. I have a daughter who graduated from there. And I have two younger that uh, one that's graduated from high school has not yet gone to college. The other is still in high school. So wow. that's where I'm at. Well, I have five kids myself, man. My oldest is 16. And this morning she got her, <laughs> she got her driver's license. Hey, so hey. What, what a deal. And my youngest, <laughs> my youngest is three. So we've got quite a span. That is and, a big uh, span. And so that's really, that's really great. Well, obviously your history is uh independent Baptist Fairhaven is well known as a, a very conservative uh, independent Baptist college. And, and I'm sure the same is, you know, true of your church and, you know, you've, you, you know, that's your, that's where you are. And, 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 and by the way, mm -hmm. I, I share a lot of the same sentiments. Uh, my background is independent Baptist. I got saved um, in a, what was technically a Bible church, but very much an independent Baptist church, went to Bob Jones University, uh, got my doctorate from Pensacola. So I'm kind of, you know, in that sphere a lot. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you a question based on your article. Um, what, what hope do you have for the future of the independent Baptist movement? Well, there are a couple of things I think that are really relevant and uh, to that question. First of all, um, one one of the key qualities about the independent Baptist movement, and and by the way, I wrote an earlier article called "Why I'm Glad to Be IFB." Um, right. The things that I love and appreciate, and one thing is the commitment to the Bible. Oh yeah. I am critical of um, some of the preaching that I hear, and um, it seems like when we go topical in particular, that um, we are helter-skelter and all over the map as a result. There still, though, is a core commitment to the authority of the Word of God that is consistent among independent Baptists. Yeah. If, if you're anchored to the Word of God, then... Even when when that um, anchor is strained a little bit at times, uh, as long as we stay tethered to the Word of God, then 
coming back to it is, and I, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, I, I would not say, in fact, my experience is that uh, many pastors, not the well-known ones, um, but many pastors are very committed to the Word of God and very committed to expository preaching. And honestly, with that even, uh, the the majority of my friends are very careful about that kind of thing. Um, now, would I say I'm broadly traveled? I, no, um, I'm not super well known. Um, and a lot of my friends and close associates are also the same way. I, I have written repeatedly about the problem of big shot fundamentalism, which I see as really the poison in the independent Baptist movement. Uh, the, the, you know, there's, there's a thing, and I, I knew this when I was 30 years old, I knew this before that, that there's a certain polish and a certain aura that a pastor, if he really wants to make it big in yep. the IFB, needs to try to develop in himself. And I see that as hugely po poisonous and detrimental. Uh, so, but, but at the same time, there's a, a group of young men, and I, I'm very closely associated with the guys here in Utah, young guys who come into our state and are committed to expository preaching, committed to the Bible. Uh, and when, when you have that, then absolutely there's a bright future. Absolutely. Us. Yeah, man, that's really, really great. Dave, you, you point out something I think a lot of people miss. I, I affiliate more with the SBC now. And the interesting thing is you talk about big shots as opposed to, the, what we would call grassroots boots on the mm -hmm. ground guys. That's the majority of people. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the median size of church is less than a hundred, 90% of churches are less than 250 members. And so, you know, that the overwhelming majority of pastors, good, faithful preachers, nobody even knows their name. Right. And, That's and, right. and so in some ways, the hope of any conservative movement, and we are ultra conservative. I mean, I am, I am uber Bible believing. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I any any major doctrinal position, uh, I'm 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 on the conservative uh, side of it. There is a ton of that kind of grassroots activity, and and the other thing about that I think that's really important is this: um, our name doesn't need to be known. Our, our, right. I, our, our, what's most important is our faithful commitment to the yeah. word and to our people and to our family. And so that's, that's, you know, that's commendable at the same time. Um, you know, obviously whatever we're affiliated with in, in any loose sense of the word, we want it to be, um, as close to truth as, as, you know, whoever I'm affiliating with, yeah. I, you know, so you made this statement. I'm curious, you know, you've been an independent Baptist for 40 years and I'm not leaving recovering, reforming or trashing a trailer park, but much of what I see in the movement is unbiblical. And so, so I want to ask you this, if you don't mind, it seems like the articles are an attempt to at least draw awareness to Mm -hmm. certain needed reforms. So I yeah. guess, I guess my, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of Dave, I've taken the position and the heat with the position that I speak out to it. Like I, I'm okay with, Hey, why not change it? And, and yeah. if, in other words, if it's, if I'm not going to change it, why would I be a part of it? So walk me through your thinking on, you know, you're not, you're not reforming or re recovering it, but you also want to point out 
ways it could improve? How do you see that working for you? Well, I think a core tenet of independent Baptist churches is the uh, autonomy of the local assembly. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, we, we practice that because that's what we see also in the word of God. And so um, really pointing these things out is effective to creating conversations about it, causing people to think and consider. Um, And uh, really, I think that the need for that kind of prophetic voice, if you will, I'm not, I'm certainly not putting myself forth as a prophet, uh, but that that need to speak prophetically uh, is a, is an important part of that. And, and, you know, in my presentation of the 10 things I wish would change, uh, it, it really was that it's one pastor's perspective of what ought to change in the conversations I've had. And I've had many conversations. Many pastors have reached out to me uh, a lot of positive, but some that are troubled by some of the things I said, of course, I would expect that. Um, I would say probably everybody has one or two things that they think I should have said that I didn't. Um, I've heard a couple of those. Um, I would guess six of the things that I said, probably a different six for different people, but there are probably six things on my list that everybody agrees with. Right. And probably two or three that people looked at and scratched their heads and said, I don't even get what he's saying on that. <laughs> uh, I don't see what the big deal is. And then probably one or two that people are very strongly opposed to and even wonder if they can still be in fellowship with me, which is fine. I, you know, really, I, I just believe that people ought to follow the word of God. I have to say where, where I stand and they have to stay, say where they stand. And I, you know, I'm not writing any of this as a test of fellowship, but really just as an opportunity to present a biblical perspective from, from what I, as I see it, uh, on these issues that I think we ought to give consideration to. Absolutely. And Dave, I would say this, if every independent Baptist church was, did not have these 10 elements, much of the conversations we all would have would not even be having because man, if you eliminate these 10 things from churches, we're going to be so much more aligned. And unfortunately I feel like Dave, what happens is young, young guys, and that's the that's the bulk of who I work with. I mean, I've I was I've been a college professor since two thousand and eight. Mm. Uh, I've taught over a thousand college students, and currently teach at two seminaries. And I mean, that's just where I live. I mean, I live mm-hmm. with with the guys in their forties and thirties and twenties. Yeah, and they look at some of this stuff, and they're like, "Man, if this is if this is what is happening in these churches, with with some exception, of course, I don't." I don't want to be a part of that. So I think yeah. independent Baptists, if they're going to, to continue to move forward with the generationally right. as they are, and they will, and they're willing to look some of these things in the face and say, man, we're not, we're not going to be that. We stand against that. I think the future could be bright as well. I'm going to follow up our podcast with, uh, with a, with a, with a monologue that I've been putting together called the slow death of the influence of the ultra right. Um, hmm. and, um, it, it's both ways. It's not just independent. It's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's, it's a ton of the, uh, people, but you know, I, I don't think that the independent Baptists will die. Of course not. They will always, there always will be independent Baptists or always be SBC or always mm-hmm. be all these, but 
the influence mm. of them upon the next generation can die. And I think your article, man, has really put its finger on some of the things that are most problematic. And yeah. so here, so I started reading through this. I wanted to have you just on one day, but the, the more I got to, you know, looking through your articles and writing questions and things, I said, oh, there's no way that we're going to get through 10 uh, in one episode. So our goal today is to work through the first five. Okay. And then we're going to next time, uh, next week, record a part two. And this may end up being three or four episodes, Dave, but we're going to do our best to work through as much yeah. as we can with the time that we have. So Yeah, I appreciate that. So the basic structure of the article is there's 10 things you wish would change amongst IFB. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to list them out as you worded them. Okay. And then I, if you won't mind, take a minute to like unpack it. And uh, cause I love some of this is just, it's funny the way that you worded it. But um, like, for instance, uh, your, the first one that you mentioned in the first article was uh, gospel light. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It's a great way to put it. So go ahead and help us. Where, what are you seeing and what do you mean by that? So in independent Baptist churches, there's a huge emphasis on evangelism, winning the loss to Christ. And it's honestly one of the reasons I'm proud to be independent Baptist. That uh, a friend of mine and I were out canvassing not too long ago. We, um, in, we met a man who was, in fact, he heard us witnessing to someone out in the front yard and he went outside of his house um, to listen to us from the backyard. And then he came around and uh, he was a reform guy, but he said, I haven't heard anybody talking to people just in neighborhoods. Mm. And uh, so, I mean, it's one of those, it's kind of a distinctive among independent Baptists. So there's that gospel focus on winning the lost. But when you, if you attend an independent Baptist church, when you hear the gospel preached, it is almost always preached as a compelling message for the lost, to evangelize the lost. And I'm not against that at all in a church. I think that there's a place for that. But I believe that the gospel needs to be preached regularly to the people of God. Mm -hmm. First of all, it is the foundation of everything that we are and everything that we do. The, the, the Everything that we enjoy, we enjoy because of the gospel and the work of sanctification in our life is an outgrowth also of the gospel. So I had a man in my church, he, he attended for three or four years. He was a member of the church. And he said to me one time, he said, you know, I've been coming here for four years and I've, I've thought to myself over and over, why does he preach the gospel so much? Like it's always the gospel, the gospel, this, the gospel, that the God, he said, and then it finally hit me that it's not just the entry point into Christianity, that it is the whole of Christianity, what right. Christ has done for us. So I think that it's horribly short-sighted. And I think one of the things I said in that article is that people, you know, independent Baptists regularly look at, unfortunately, look at the gospel as just the, the launch pad into our Christian experience and don't recognize that it's the whole of our Christian experience. Yeah, I mean, as Paul said, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in That's him. right. That's right. That's Galatians. Yeah. You know what's amazing, Dave? What you're what you are essentially describing. Now you may have not you may not label it this way, but essentially 
we're talking about gospel centrality. That that's the subject. And I've heard, and it's tricky with the IFB because I have heard guys, they really don't understand right. what, what is meant by God. Gospel centrality ha- means exactly like you described it. Mm-hmm. That the gospel is for the Christian. It's not the starting point. It's the whole point. Yeah. And we are saved by it, sanctify it. And one day, of course, we'll be glorified by it. Amen. I, I heard one prominent IFB leader in a major conference say this, I quote, we are gospel centered. We go out into our community each week and share it. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah. what they what they think it means is gospel centered means um, evangelism. But uh, that's right. that's not that's not the same thing. You're you're basically saying, well, I, I Dave, as I read the article, I would so appreciate this point. You're basically arguing for authentic discipleship. Absolutely, uh, yes. I, I mean, from beginning to end, the church has a, a responsibility to bring. I I don't, I don't want to say this the wrong way because people would take it the wrong way. But it's not that anybody's eternal salvation depends on their church at all. But we have a responsibility to preach people into the kingdom and I, I, I into heaven. And I, I know that that's going to be taken wrong, but understand I, I'm absolutely Christ is the only savior. He is the one who saves us. But we are also warned to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And there's this responsibility to constantly be calling people back to their salvation and the Lordship of Christ, to Christ as their Savior and Lord. And in our preaching, we are to be doing that. I think that, um, and, you know, my mind draws a blank right now, the exact quote and who said it, um, but essentially that the work of the Christian preacher is to establish the Lordship of Christ in the hearts of the people. Um, that That's a paraphrase of it, but that's that's what we're striving to do. Um, and and the apostle says, lest any man fail of the grace of God. So there is not that people can lose their salvation, not preaching that, not saying that whatsoever. But there is the very real possibility that people have latched on to the Christian faith when the gospel has not taken root in their life when they've not truly been born again. Yeah. And, uh, and it preaching exposes that preaching shows it. Oh, absolutely. And, and this is a great statement from your article. If in your evangelism, you look at the sinner's prayer as the finish line, then you have a part of this meaning part of the problem. And right. I, I totally agree. And I think one remedy for this, Dave, is, of course, preaching discipleship as is laid out in the Bible and 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 not preaching receiving Christ as as the, the finish line, but like right. preaching following Christ. So when if I'm engaging in a gospel conversation, leading someone down to that path where they're going to accept Christ, I'm going straight to what the rest of the Great Commission says. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're going into baptism immediately because baptism is that first discipleship step. It's you giving a witness to what you profess. And I think yeah. I'm going to be very, very, very cautious of, of proclaiming salvation numbers and not talking about baptism. I mean, I, I see it all the time. You'll see big name independent Baptists go on a mission trip. We had 5,000, right. we've had 5,000 people saved in 80, 85 <laughs> baptized. 
Yeah. And I'm like, well, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, no, something <laughs> right. here is not right. I mean, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, it was, it happened all Immediately, right then. Yeah. I mean, that's right. And, and I know people argue about spontaneous baptisms, but my goodness, I don't know how you get away from it. <laughs> but, but the, I think the bigger issue is this. I think we're counting the wrong numbers. I mean, counting numbers itself can be problematic, but I mean, we don't count. I don't, I don't count professions of faith here. I mean, my right. goodness, I, cause I want to be careful. We, we do, we count baptisms because I want to know that we're reaching people, but man, if I've got a large number of people who are quote unquote saved and they don't even take the first step of baptism, mm-hmm. um, right. you know, man, I don't know. I don't know. I think we're on the wrong. <laughs> and I, and I will agree. I will agree that this in certain strands of IFB for sure, this was not a small problem. This was a, this is a major problem. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you yeah. got, you got certain strands with major bus routes and, and I got testimonies from former students at large Bible colleges and, I mean, they're baptizing the same kids 15 times. Yes. And, and, right. and, and I mean, you can not like this, uh, but the fact is there is some of that there and we should be very careful. And I could not agree with that point yeah. anymore. Man, that's so I think solid. the reason some churches, churches have generally gone away from immediate baptism probably has some to do with what you're saying, because there's such, for one thing, um, you know, and I, I think I said this in the article that there's almost a default easy believism that yeah. people um, would argue vehemently against easy believism, but their practice is very close to easy believism. Now, you know, my first year of college was at Hiles Anderson. I, I grew up in a Hiles church, and uh, I have to say God saved me from that and rescued me out of it. Um, but I mean, I was there in the, uh, I went to school in 1989 there. Uh, it was, I think the second year he did his big Pentecost Sunday. And I saw the, you know, the four people baptizing in the swimming pool at one time. I saw all of that and, uh, saw how all that was working and honestly became very disillusioned with a lot of things that I was seeing, uh, there with it. So I think it's important that we, ensure that they are truly born again. And I think that uh, anybody who's worked with people winning the loss to Christ knows that some people come very quickly. We have a man in our church. He came to a service. The first service he came to, he was absolutely um, determined he would never come back. And in the middle of that service, during the preaching, God just got a hold of him. He went home. He said to his wife, we have to go back. He came back the next week. He said to his wife, we need to get saved. I went to his house the next week and uh, sat down and just, I could see it on his face. I said, you understand your condition before Christ? He said, yes. I said, you understand what is needed? He said, yes, I need to ask him to be my savior. And he prayed right there. Now this man, I mean, 15 years ago, came to Christ, one of the most faithful men in our church today. And shows, I mean, so much fruit of salvation. On the other hand, I had a man in my house last night, and I was doing a Bible study with him, and uh, we have discipled him and taught him, you know, five weeks on baptism. And I said, and you're still not getting baptized. And he said, he said, I'm still struggling with sin. And I said, you know that uh, you don't have to get rid of all your sin. You'll struggle your whole life. 
but he he's just not ready yet to be baptized. He said, I feel like I'm afraid that I would make that public commitment and then go back on it. Yeah. And um, so different people just take different time and you have to take the time with them to. But but we don't want to establish Christ in a heart lightly or easily. That's and good. again, I'm not I'm not putting it on us. I'm not putting the onus on us, but the responsibility to faithfully, diligently uh, present Christ to people is yeah. an absolute ne necessity in our work, in our calling. Absolutely. That is the Great Commission. Thanks again for joining us for this episode. And we really would appreciate it if you could leave us that five-star review. And then of course, share this content with your friends. We wanna help as many pastors and church leaders as we can. And be sure to of course, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you may listen to podcasts. And go ahead and subscribe to the Church Advance YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at church advance. This podcast is hosted by Brian Sams. It is co-hosted and produced by myself, Luke Clayton, and the team at mustincrease.com. If you want to connect with Brian, be sure to head over to his website at briansams.com. Well, we really look forward to seeing you again in the next episode as we continue to advance a reformation of fellowship, partnership, and gospel hope amongst Bible-believing pastors and churches right here on Church Advance with Brian Sams. Mm -hmm.